Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 247. I didn't really think it would be a part of my business, but the more I talked about it, the more people asked me about it. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and thanks for joining me here today. Only a couple of days away from a brand new decade. A new year feels big enough, but a new decade? Whoa, that seems huge. Have you thought about what comes next for you? I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions, but the real big life goals you have for yourself. I'm looking at these next 10 years and thinking there are going to be some big changes in my life. My kids are out of college already and live in different states, California and Colorado to be exact. My guess is we'll have a couple of weddings in the next 10 years, maybe some new little ones running around and possibly a move to bring us all geographically closer together. Predictions, of course, but that's what starts the ball rolling, right? On the business end, I see changes too, mostly extensions of what I've already put in play. The ribbon print company continues to grow year over year, significant double-digit growth, I'm happy to say. And on the gift biz side, our growth is even bigger. These last few months, the podcast downloads have doubled, a lot due to your help with ratings and reviews and subscribing to the show. So a huge shout out and thank you for that. Our email list increases by the day and members into our community and paid programs also continues to grow. I didn't start adding a monetization element to GiftBiz until about two years ago, even though the podcast will hit its five-year anniversary in 2020. I'm mentioning these things because I think it's really good to put things in perspective, to look at your life and business and see how far you've come, and give yourself some grace throughout the journey. I'll admit to you, at times I've been, what's the right word, discouraged or anxious about growing Gift Biz Unwrapped faster. I want to help more people. I want women to find the fulfillment and the pride of starting their own business. And when I get to be there to help, it just fills me up. So naturally, I want to do that more and more. I need to stop comparing myself to other business coaches who have been doing this many more years than I have. I see that I'm being really super hard on myself. In the beginning, when I left corporate and started my first business, people were stunned that I didn't go into business coaching then. But I'm glad I didn't. I know so much more having started and seen success in my own businesses, not just coaching others on theirs. So again, perspective and keeping your eyes on your own progress is the best way to look at your life and your business. And now, as we end this decade, I wanted to do something extra special in the show. I've been thinking about this for months, but what should the topic be and who should be the guest? Maybe I should do a solo show. I wanted it to be something that you could take and use going into 2020. 
that would give you insight into new ways of thinking, being, and doing. And then one day, it came to me, like right out of the blue, it just came to me. The perfect guest and topic as we open the door to a new decade. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Teresa McCloy. Teresa is the creator of the Real Life Process, an ACC certified coach, accredited Enneagram professional, podcaster, and keynote speaker. Through coaching, consulting, and training, she serves her clients to move from living with their hair on fire to discovering practical and sustainable practices and processes to have a life and a business that's extraordinary. Partnering together her own signature real-life process and tools such as the Enneagram Typology Profile, Teresa guides clients to a fresh new way of intentional living. Doesn't that sound fabulous going into the new year, you guys? I cannot (laughs) wait to chat about all of this. Teresa, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. So it is so great to be here with you and how fun to kick off the new year. Absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of words I just said in your intro that our listeners don't understand yet. But stay (laughs) tuned, you guys, because that's exactly what this show is going to be all about. And I feel like with the Enneagram, which we're going to talk about in a minute, it's kind of a little gift to everybody because they get a peek into something different about themselves that they might be able to take into the new year and make some differences. So I'm excited for that. And I don't know a lot about it either, Teresa, as I told you in our pre-chat. So (laughs) it's going to be interesting to dive in. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to be asking all the questions you guys already are starting to have in your mind. (laughs) But before we do that, even though we're entering into a new year, I like to stick with tradition. And that is all about the motivational candle, Teresa. So if you were to share with us what you're all about by way of a motivational candle, what color would you choose and what would be a quote that would be on the candle? Such a great question, and I love how it gives insight. So my color would probably be some shade of teal, either from deep teal to light teal, even maybe a gradient candle where it's different color all the way up. And then my quote would be a quote that I actually say at the end of every one of my podcasts, which is, every ordinary day has extraordinary moments. You just have to look for them. Love it. Expand on that a little bit. Well, part of my journey in creating the real life process is around this idea that, you know, if we live with our hair on fire, we're actually missing the things that matter the most in our life. And they're really wrapped up sometimes in some very special little moment in our day. So I love to teach my audience and my clients to look for those moments that we can pause and say, that was the moment in the day that was really extraordinary when I look back. I'm thinking that some of these moments are very simple and free, but they just pass us by if we're not paying attention. Absolutely. They're fun things, right? Like just things that we say, oh, wasn't that something funny that just this morning as I was getting ready to, for the podcast, came into my office and my wreath on the door fell off and my dog picked it up and took off with it. And here I am chasing my dog around the yard. There are moments that you just have to laugh at life or really sit and notice that that was something special the sunsets, the beautiful flowers, whatever they might be. And we don't usually pause to notice those. You're so right. And it is so fulfilling. And I think it's energizing as you move on with some of the other things you have to do. Mm -hmm. But you forget to do it. So you have to just consciously think and remember to do that throughout your day. Is that what you're saying? 
Absolutely. Just you can get in the habit and the practice, which I love to help people have rhythms and practices in their life that stop them from being so driven about productivity and really looking at what matters in their life. I want to be present to the great conversations to the moment that, yeah, my daughter might call me from college and interrupt my day, but it's actually a beautiful thing. And I can flip how I look at that rather than, oh, that was an annoyance. Like, no, that was the moment in the day that was special. Mm -hmm. You know, I think as business owners, especially those, well, I'm not even going to say those who are starting all of us, we're so focused on what we're trying to build that we like takes over our whole life oftentimes. So just like your point with your daughter, what's really more important, your relationship with your daughter or getting that one little project done in your business that you have to pause on for a moment? Exactly. So that's my whole message. And so much of the coaching and things I do with entrepreneurs and small business owners is how do we stay present to the work that we love, right? And I know all of your listeners love the products they're creating and what they're doing, but then also not let us consume us to the point that we forget why we're doing it. Freedom, lifestyle, all those things and other things aside. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Everybody has a different reason, right? For many of us, it is. We have a passion for what we do, for the product that we're putting out there. But then it's also to give us some sort of freedom maybe in our life to spend with those we want to spend time with. But somehow that stops happening at some point along the way many times. It's true. And that's the big myth that when you start your own business, you're going to have all this free time <laughs> and life is going to be easier and all of that. And I think it can be. But that's why I'm really liking. And I know we're getting into some deeper conversation right from the start. But I really like what your quote was on your candle, because we can consciously get back to that versus the business taking over in total. So that alone is just a great concept going into the new year, just like with that. So we're done, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say too, Sue. Like if we just take that into even we're looking at a new decade, right? We're coming into this new decade, this new season. It is a mindset shift of now, what was it? Why did I start this business? Why did I do this? Why did I want to create this product? All of these things. And and so it's a good time of year to take the pause and just really say, oh, I want to make sure in my calendar, I work a lot with productivity in my process. I want to make sure that in my calendar, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Enneagram, if we know ourselves well, we know what motivates us, we know how we're wired, we can kind of apply some of that thing into our everyday ordinary life. So we can dive in to some of that conversation too. Perfect. Okay, wonderful. So you and I met a little over a year ago now. It's almost exactly a year, but a little over a year at this point. And we started talking maybe some about the Enneagram, but I really didn't know about it that much at that time. But let's take it even back a little further. How did you get into what you're doing today? Well, the Enneagram as a tool is a tool that I use in my coaching and consulting business. And it is a personality tool. And I really didn't intend, as probably many of your listeners did, even when they started working with products. I didn't know that it would become such a part of my business. And it was a tool that I used personally and helped me to discover some behavior patterns that I had that I knew I wanted to shift and change and really to grow personally. There's lots of tools out there. There's the Colby, there's the DISC, there's the Myers-Briggs. I was kind of addicted to those types of personality profiles and loved discovering about myself. And so the Enneagram became one of those. But what I loved about it was has a spiritual and a psychological part to it. 
So it really is an invitation to grow and transform in kind of three centers of intelligence. We can talk about that more. But I didn't really think it would be a part of my business. But the more I talked about it, the more people asked me about it. So it really became a foundational piece of helping people know their real self, self-awareness, live their best real life, and do their best real work. So those are kind of my three pillars. I draw them out in a triangle, but the Enneagram becomes foundational for me as I work with clients of just, let's discover who you are and how you're wired a little bit before we dive into building your business and managing your time and all of those types of things. Got it. Okay, so you were coaching already, and Mm -hmm. then you just saw from customer reaction that they were really interested in the different level that the Enneagram provided. And then you decided, okay, well, I'm going to incorporate this more and more in how I work with my clients. Right. It was a personal tool I'd been using for years. For yourself. Yes. And then when I started my business, I'm like, I kept sharing it with clients. And so I just developed it out. Now I actually train people even how to use the Enneagram in their business as coaches and consultants. So it's really evolved into a lot of different things over the last five or six years. Love it. And the thing I like the most about it, even before we start talking about that, is how you were listening to your clients and following through with what they were asking you for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of any business, right? We just continue to evolve and pivot to what our clients are asking. But we seem to be so tunnel focused sometimes, like we're sure we're knowing. And I say also, you guys, Gift Biz listeners, like if you have a certain product that is your new product that you love and people aren't buying it, you need to be watching what customers are really interested in. We get so close to what we're doing sometimes that we're not recognizing it. So Teresa, that's what I'm loving about just what we've talked about so far is you were really tuned into your clients and kind of letting them take you where they felt they needed to go, but then with your professional overlay of the Enneagram. Yeah, that's a great point. What about the real life process? Now, this is your own framework, right, that you've created. It is. And it's a framework really to help people move through developing out their business. So it has four steps in the process. And it is giving those people that 10,000 foot view. Where are you at right now? We use the Enneagram as part of that. We call it the real life view. What's your mission? What are the areas of focus in your life? And I go through a process with people to help really get that 10,000 foot view. Life and business, because you and I both know as entrepreneurs who own small businesses, you really can't separate the two. One affects the other. And I saw so many of my clients, again, very tunnel vision of work became like what overtook their life as they started an entrepreneurial business. And it's really both. So we are living a real life. So how do we do this in our real life? How do we build these businesses? So self-awareness is key, I believe. So that's that first step. Then we go into, I love breaking things down into 90-day projects. So even as we're coming into the new year, right? It's like, what do I want to work on in the next 90 days? What's going to move my business forward? What are something in my personal life? So I help people project those things out, get some action steps. Then we move into getting it onto your calendar, real practical. And then my last step is called real life living. And here's where I think it's important for entrepreneurs, again, going back to how we're wired and business owners is how do you take a day off? How do you know what you like to do for a hobby that's outside? So this really approach of full circle, holistic living, I'm not overtaken by my business. So I call that real life living. 
And we learn to identify what those things are so that we're having a holistic real life, head, heart, gut, which is part of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think that as a business owner, too, especially when you get started, everything is about your business. Heaven forbid someone wants to go out to dinner with you at night or (laughs) like much less take a weekend away, (laughs) Mm. things like that you just don't do. And I think maybe it's as we get older, you see more and more what's going on. You have to enjoy and appreciate the journey as well. So when you're talking about real life living and balancing all of that, I think that's so important. It shouldn't always be like, well, when I get to this point, then I can do. You need to be able to incorporate it into the process all the way along. I needed you when I first started my businesses, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so much of it is. And that's what I love to work with new business owners, because if we can develop some of these, and that's why I say practices and processes, it is teaching ourselves how to practice. It's almost becomes rituals, routines, things that we build in that then become sustainable. Because how many of us, and you and I've been around in these types of businesses for a while, we see somebody on fire, they're killing it for the first year, 18 months, two years. And then they're gone, like they burn out. And so I hate seeing people do that, especially when they're passionate about a product or something that they're developing or a service. And so if we can kind of, like you said, wish we'd have known all this early, right? Right. If we can implement some of these things early on through good self-awareness, like tools like the Enneagram, then put in some sustainable practices, routines, systems, 90-day processes, it really can be done long-term to grow these businesses we want them to go. What was our original vision and passion? Yeah. And hopefully also to grow them and enjoy the process along the way. I think we get so stressed out because we aren't at a certain level. We're not sure if we're doing it right. It's overtaking our lives. All of that. What about just the idea of growing and building and creating something and having fun with it along the way? Exactly. Enjoying the journey, right? Yeah. Like not the destination. When I get there, then I'll take a month vacation and like, Let's see how we can do that now. Like, how would it look to be out of your business for a week? And so those are the types of things that I love to do with the real life process. Oh, yay. I'm excited. I'm excited to start talking about this some more. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Okay, and Gift Biz listeners, I bet you can relate to all of what we've been talking about. So, all right, let's talk about the Enneagram. I'm not sure exactly where you want to start, but let's pretend like this is a brand new word to everybody. And let's start from the very beginning about what it is and all that. We're going to take a break right now to hear from our sponsor. So when we come back, there'll be no more breaks and we'll hear all about the Enneagram. Are you as excited as I am? Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or find packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Sure. So the word Enneagram really just means, gram means drawing, Ennea means nine. 
So it's a drawing of nine different numbers around a circle. So if our listeners will envision a circle, there's nine numbers around it. And each of these nine numbers represent a different personality type. The tool itself of the Enneagram is a very ancient tool. It goes back farther than their personality profile. And it really wasn't even originally a profile. It was more of a tool that was used in all types of places, some very spiritual places, some very psychological places, just for discovery and awareness. So it's both psychological and spiritual. Would you say that this predates then any of the other, like Myers-Briggs and all of that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All of those really come from a psychological place. The tool of the Enneagram really wasn't even drawn into a drawing or done as a profile, like now we can do it in online profiles and that type of thing, until probably the late 60s, early 70s. But yet it goes back, you see it in all types of ancient religions and ancient places in different ways. Not exactly the same, but you see hints of it in different ways. So it was a tool that was really passed on kind of verbally for a very long time. And then in the early 70s, some psychologists and some religious teachers kind of formed it together to come up with what we now know as the tool of the Enneagram. And I often refer to it as a tool instead of a profile because many profiles that we take, like you said, DISC, Myers-Briggs, those types of things, Colby, they tell us something and then we're like, okay, that's great information. I have that. Now I'm going to put that on the shelf and I'm really not going to use it in my life. The Enneagram really invites us to what I call personal growth. And we can talk more about that. But each of these types kind of fall into what we call three centers of intelligence. And I think when people hear this, they really go, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So three of the numbers fall in what we call the heart center. We're hearing a lot in the world right now about emotional intelligence. It's a hot topic at corporate levels, in small businesses. What is your EQ, people say? So three of the types come from what we call the heart center. Three of the types are very driven in what we call the head center, so IQ, and three of the types have a drive that's in what I call the gut center, that instinctual knowing. So here's a simple way to describe it, Sue, that the listeners might appreciate. When you listen to someone talk, many times they'll say, well, you know, this is how I feel. (laughs) And other people will say, well, you know, I know this is how we should do that. And other people will say, well, you know, I think... So do you hear the three differences? Yeah. And it's, if you think of a pair of glasses that a person puts on, it's like the lens through which they see the world. Some people see it through their heart. Some people see it through their head, their thinking. And some people see it through almost an instinctual gut knowing. We've all heard that phrase. You know, I feel it in my gut. I don't know. I just know. (laughs) And so we all have a little bit of each of those. But most of us early on in the way our ego structure developed, learned that one of them worked well for us and stronger for us than the other two. And so we learn what our type is. We can do a profile online. I offer those out to my clients as a service and have a conversation with someone about it if you would like to explore it more. Or you can take different profiles online. You can read a book about it. There's all kinds of ways to discover your Enneagram type and find out which of those nine you are. But I bet for most of your listeners and even you, Sue, if I said, what do you normally say? You would be able to tell me, I say, I think, I feel, or I know. 
So I'll ask you the question, Sue. What do you normally say? I think I would say I think. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny how we just naturally from the heart center? Yeah. So I say I feel. You say you feel. Okay, so let me tell you my exposure to the Enneagram. Sure. And I was just going to say, I think again. So now I'm like really watching my words. <laughs> but I found out about it from a mastermind I was at. I'd never heard about it before. And everyone's like, you don't know about the Enneagram? I'm like, no. And so I went online and I took the test. And I want to say it's like a hundred and something questions. Depending on which one you take, there's lots of profiles out there by lots of different Enneagram teachers. So you'll find profiles that are 200 questions. You'll find 100. You'll find some little freebies out there that are like 10 questions. I don't always feel like those are as accurate. Do you think you'd get different results based on the one you took? You can. And that depends on, that's why I, as a coach, love to have a conversation with someone after they take their profile, because it's a pretty deep conversation to say, you know, we're getting into some pretty deep things when we talk about how your ego was formed. I love online profiles. I use one myself with my clients, but I still think it's worth exploring with someone who knows the tool of the Enneagram. It's not a counseling session. It's really just a review of the conversation. So I do see a lot of people that get mistyped, so to speak. Okay. So just for the sake of our listeners, is there a certain place you would go if people were interested, one that you feel is a good one to use? Because I'm thinking we're piquing people's curiosity now and people are (laughs) going to want to know, what am I? What number am I? (laughs) Exactly. Well, of course, I'd love to send them to my website and I have an online profile that people can take and then do an hour long consultation with me. So that is one that I would recommend. So that's just at my website on the work with me page. But anything by Dr. Jerome Wagner is a great one. I can give you that link and put it in the show notes. Okay, perfect. It's one of the most respected ones that I would recommend out there. Ian Cron is also another Enneagram teacher. He wrote the book, The Road Back to You. And I think he has an online profile as well. It's a little pricier than some are. So it depends kind of on what you want to invest. Usually if it's free, you get what you pay for. So I wouldn't always recommend some of the free ones that are out there. But I'd be glad to work with anybody who's interested in discovering their type. All right. So we were talking about that I said, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know what my number is to see if it correlates? I would love to. (laughs) Okay. I'm a number three. Ah, that's interesting. Does that make sense? Actually, the three is in the heart space. So it's interesting that you verbally say, I think, but a type three, that's actually what I am as well, Sue. Oh, and that doesn't surprise me that you would be a type three. The fact that you are an entrepreneur, that you enjoy a business and running a business. Would you like for me to tell what each of the types are? I was hoping we would get there. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So let's go through each of the types because I think for your listeners, many of them might be able to identify and begin to explore just from hearing the types. So the type one, the perfectionist. So they are driven by helping things get to that best way of doing things. I call them the good person. They want things to be good. They see the world through goodness. What is good in the world? And you'll hear that even in their language. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I love that. That's so good. So that's the type one. They're the perfectionist. Now, 
automatically when we go through these types, you'll hear, wow, that could get really out of hand. (laughs) You know, (laughs) if I go so far to perfectionism, I might not ever take my products to market, right? Mm -hmm. Because it has to be perfect. So that's the struggle and the invitation for the type one is to let go of perfectionism. The type two is the helper. They're always going to see the needs of others and how they can help. They sit in the beginning of our heart center, this type two. I call them the loving person. What they bring to the world is love. They see through their lens and through their glasses love. But again, if it's overgo, they many times have a hard time saying no. It's about everyone else. They forget about their own needs. So that's the type two. You and I, it sounds like, might set in what's called the type three. The type three is often called the performer. Now, I don't always love that word. I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but I'm like, oh, I don't want to be seen as a performer. But what we really bring to the world is effectiveness and efficiency. So that type three many times sees systems and processes. Again, many times why we can be good business owners is we see things in a team perspective. We're natural leaders. But at our worst, if we go over to that performance mode, we always want to appear like we're successful and we kind of have a fear of failure. So that's the three and how they operate. The four is what we many times call the romantic or the original person. They have really deep feelings and emotions. They're very, very creative. And many times we think of them as musicians or artists or that type of thing. The type four really wants to be seen as original. So I often laugh, you know, they might have the colored hair, which I have. I have a lot of four in me, but they just do things that are original. So many of your listeners, because I know a lot of your listeners develop products, are very creative. They may have a lot of four in them, a lot of this originality. How could I create something that's unique and different? But again, they can get so stuck in that needing to feel original and special that their emotions can get the best of them. So they sit in that heart space too, the two, threes, and fours. And so their emotions can get the best of them. Yeah, I agree with you that I think a lot of our listeners are probably going to resonate with the romantic for sure. Yes, because they have that creative bend. Yeah. And that brings up the challenges of no one else can make my product as good as I can, which limits growth Mm -hmm. or so afraid to even show the product for fear that people aren't going to be interested and won't buy it. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. Two ways I could see really that playing out. If you guys are resonating with number four, the romantic. Exactly. Didn't mean to stop you midstream, but this one I think for sure. No, that is so true though. I think that resonates so much. And so for each of these types, from a business perspective, there's a place that each of these types can get caught. And that's the invitation to growth because we can get caught in that. So for example, the type five, we're moving into the head center now, this intellectual center, the five, six, and seven, the type five is an information gatherer. They are the investigators. So they bring wisdom to the world. They bring that light of bringing wisdom. But what happens is they can get stuck in research mode. So think of this in product development, right? Well, I need to know all the facts. I need to know how this is going to gather. How are we going to manufacture it? I need to get all my steps and processes in place. So they can get stuck in research and never take something to market, Mm. so to speak. And they have a lot of knowledge and information because they're in their head. But it's almost like the hamster gets on the wheel and the fear can hold them back. 
So that's our type five, the investigator. So then our type six, Sue, is what we call the loyalist. And again, loyalty is a great thing, right? They're team players. They're amazing at working together with others because they have this loyalty and devotion. But what can happen is they forget to bring their own ideas to the table and they forget to speak up and use their voice. And so at their extreme, so if you think about it, I call it authentic and adaptive. We have our authentic side, which is kind of our type at its best. And then we have this adaptive side where on our worst day, this is kind of where we go to, right? Mm, So the five, six, and seven go into their head. They get spinning like that hamster on the wheel. It comes from fear. So five, six, and sevens really relate to fear and safety. And do I have enough information? Do I have enough connection to people? And so our type sevens, which are so much fun, we call them the enthusiast. They're the joyful people. Everybody loves to hang out with a seven. They always see the positive poly people in the world. But what can happen with a seven is they're always looking for the next adventure and the next thing. I work with so many sevens. So some of your audience, some of our listeners may really relate to this too, because there's always the next new idea, the next new product I could make. And so they jump from one thing to the next. It's kind of like, I want the buffet of life and I want to do a little of this and a little of that. So I work with a lot of sevens in the work that I do as a coach because it's helping them stay on track and not jump onto the next thing, to stay with something long-term, to create some practices and processes in their life that will help them long-term. And then we move into that body center that we started with. We have the eight, which is called the powerful person. They are the people that come into a room and kind of, okay, who has the power in the room? I want it or I can take it. They make decisions very quickly And we sometimes call them the challenger because we almost feel like they're challenging everything, but they're doing it because they want to make everything better. They just have a gut knowing we're in this body center. They have a gut knowing that this would be the better way. And they really work forward motion in that forward energy. Eights are amazing leaders. They're really powerful. They can challenge us to be a better version of ourselves. And then the type nine which if we were drawing this around in a circle, the nine is at the top. And then we go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight clockwise. The nine sets at the top as the peaceful person and they bring peace into the world. They shine their light with peace and they see everything through. How can I make this a peaceful, calm situation? Now what can happen right for a type nine is they don't love to do conflict. So anytime that there's conflict, they might shy away from it. And so you think about that in making decisions in your business, or if you have a team and you're actually the leader and then someone else speaks up and you're like, oh, I don't want to go up against them, even though this is my business, you can see where the growth of knowing where you go in your adaptive side can really help you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. So those are the nine types. Yeah. So I could just see and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, that there's no right or wrong. There's no better number than another. But what it allows you to do is understand who naturally you are, what your makeup is, and then be more aware of where you can kind of go off track. To your point with each of these, how you were saying, you know, this is how it could be more challenging or things you need to watch for if you're a certain number. 
So just having that knowledge and being equipped with that moving forward is so valuable. It is. And many people will ask me, well, how did we get this way? Like what made us this way? And we won't go deep into it because it's some deep discussion, but this is a simple way. So we just develop these strategies early in life and they come through. I mean, a third of it really comes through nature. It's our genes. This is how we were born with our genes. Third of through nurture, how we were nurtured in our life through parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and coaches and all of these people that spoke into our lives in our early years and into early adulthood. And then a third of it is really some free will choices that we make along the way. All three of those things come together to kind of form these patterns of behavior. And many times we're living anywhere on that scale from very adaptive behaviors that almost feel unhealthy to very authentic behaviors. And throughout a day, something can happen that can trigger, right, our adaptive behavior. For example, for me as a type three, uh, threes, the heart center is really seeking approval. So if I get an email from somebody that's like, this didn't work for me, whatever, I wasn't able to purchase the product, I feel like I failed, like I let them down. And I can automatically go to being down on myself. And I should have known that. I should have done, you know what I'm saying. And so we play this tape in our head, depending on our type, that can start to play in our head. And so if I can bring awareness and go, that's not who I am. I know that that's not me. That's a false belief that I'm giving myself right now. So it's a lot of mindset about growing in our mindset to a different place of knowing. But no type is better than another. They're just all different lenses, different glasses that we put on and how we see the world and a different message. Yeah. And I think to your point just now, you know, the self-talk that you give yourself, if you understand where these thoughts are coming from that you're conjuring up in your mind and you can understand, well, that's because I'm a three or two or however it got to you, however you acquired it, I think you give yourself more grace, but then you also know what to do about it. You understand where its source came and you understand how to counter that thought or say, well, that's not really true, but I get why I think that way because I'm whatever I am, that kind of thing. And the word that I hear so many people use, Sue, as they discover the Enneagram is it gives me empathy, empathy for myself to go, okay, that's a false belief or that's a false statement. That is not who I am. That is me spinning in my head or feeling in my heart or knowing in my gut something that's not true. And so I can shift that mindset. That's where the Enneagram becomes a tool that's a little bit different than some other personality tools because we're really learning to recognize things and do it differently. Go, I don't need to believe that about me. So I think that is the word I hear. The other part that I think is interesting with the Enneagram And I know some of your listeners have maybe two or three people that work on their team and work for them either when brick and mortar or help develop product or manufacture or whatever. I think that word empathy is helpful too, because as I see teams understand the Enneagram together, I now know your type and I can go as a type nine, I know that you naturally would want to avoid the conflict. So now that I know that about you, I can come to you in a different way and invite you into a conversation that might be difficult for you instead of going, why are you avoiding talking about this and being judgmental? So that's the other place that it can invite this empathy is through whether it's in your marriage, with your coworkers, whatever it might be, your adult children, the understanding of one another and giving that empathy to each other. I love the empathy for 
others, which was your last explanation. And I think that's what we always think of when we think of empathy. But how often do we really think of empathy for ourselves? Rarely, if Mm -hmm. ever. So, and then combining the two together is more powerful yet. No, it just gives a common language. So I find that as I work with teams, many small business owners that I work with, oh, this is so helpful for me. Now I want to bring it to my team or Mm -hmm. to my coworker or my business partner, because then I have a better understanding of who they are. And yeah, I'm not thinking, oh, well, they're just trying to get on my nerves. You know, no, that is how they see the world. And it's different than how I see the world. Right. Okay. So I have a question for you. And this is going to be personal because that's the only example I have is my own. So I took the test and I was a three, but I also really can relate to the seven. Mm -hmm. Everyone tells me how positive I am, sometimes over positive. I have to like back it up because it gets a little irritating probably because I'm always looking at the good (laughs) in things. And I've learned that lately (laughs) that I have to do Mm -hmm. that. So can you have two that are almost equal with each other or is one always the dominant or can you even have more than two? Well, it doesn't surprise me that you relate pretty heavily with the seven. And I haven't seen like your profile or any of that. We're just diving into this from a conversation point. But the seven and the three and the eight have a similar what I call energy. All three of them are very forward moving. So they're types that are going to come into a situation and be more of that take charge, positive, let's put this together type of personalities. And so there would be some questions if we were working together that I would want to explore with you, Sue, of because you told me that you say, I think first, right? and because you're telling me that you really resonate with the seven, that may be your more dominant personality style. Even though on the test that you took, and I don't know which one it was, but on the test that you took, you came out as a three, depending on how the questions were asked and this and that and the other, that may have felt like the best option. But when you're telling me, you say, I think a lot and that you really resonate with that positive energy of the seven and the description of the seven, it's very possible that that may be your dominant type. So we'd have to do more exploration with that. We may just have to talk further because now I feel like I have to know (laughs) because I also the efficiency and effectiveness is totally me. And when you talk about how and I'm just bringing myself up, you guys, just as an example of how a conversation might go and how you could get into learning and understanding more about yourself and what drives you and all of that. But I also want to know for me, since I have you here, (laughs) Teresa, but one of the things that I know I'm bad at is I create material, I create programs, I wrote a book, I do presentations, like I do all of these things. And I'm a good completer. Okay, I'm a follow through. But then I'm done. And I want to move on to the next creation, like I want to work with the next group of people, or I want to create the next whatever it is. And I never market the stuff I have. (laughs) That's my problem. So that's where I stop. And my assistant, Lori, is like, Sue, you have a trade show coming up. How about you putting something out there about that new planner you have? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Versus like, okay, doesn't everybody just instantly know that that's there? (laughs) You know? So And so so that has characteristics of both the three and the seven. So could I ask you a question? Would you be okay with your audience? Yeah, I'm a total open book. I am so open. Yeah. You're an open book. I can tell you are. So this will be interesting for the listeners because they can follow along asking their own question. If you were to say what tape 
plays in your head, would it be the tape of I won't have enough or would it be the tape of I'm not enough and I need to prove I'm enough? What's the first one? I won't have enough, like almost a scarcity mindset. Okay. No, but I'm not sure it's the other either. So I won't have enough. It's not scarcity. It's not that one. Okay. Or is it more, I'm not enough. I need to prove that I'm enough. If I had to pick the two, I would pick the second one. Okay. The second one is that type three or the heart center. The people in the heart center are more geared to the narrative and the fixation of I'm not enough. I need to prove it. So it's from this approval standpoint that the heart center operates. The head center, which was you were referring back to your type seven, comes more from the fixation for security and survival and that won't have enough. So I won't have enough fun. I won't have enough adventure. I'm afraid I'm going to, you know, we talk about FOMO. I'm afraid I'm going to miss out. That's kind of where that type seven comes from. The type three is really coming from more of I'm success oriented, I'm wired and I'm motivated by a need to be successful. And it comes more from that. I don't want to fail. I want the approval of others. So there's some deep things to sit with when you sit with the Enneagram, because we kind of have to look back at our story a little bit and think, okay, you know, how was I as a child? What did I seek? What did I want? And so we're looking back a little bit too, as we carry it forward and kind of move past it to no, I'm healthy. I'm whole. I'm living in my fullest self. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between kind of the head and the heart. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely more the three. You and I are going to be talking, Teresa, for sure. Yeah. The little bit I know of you and the little bit we've spent together, I see more of the three, but I understand what you say about, and many of your listeners probably relate to, I start stuff and then I kind of get bored with it and I'm moving on to the next thing. The type three does some of that as well, because some of it is rooted in If I put it out there in the world, what if people don't like it? So I created it, but what if I put it out there and people don't like it? So I'll just kind of like move on to the next thing. And so it feels like we don't really finish things, but we just love inventing the next thing, coming up with the next idea. So that's part of how we're wired. Mm -hmm. Well, that's also kind of the four, right? The romantic. It is. Yeah, that's that heart space. They both have that going on. So like I said, it's a deep tool. I definitely want to talk to you about this, but I'm not (laughs) just to circle it back. I am less worried about whether people are going to like it. Like I'm even the podcast. I know that we put out good content and it fills me so much when I hear people tell me that they listen to the show, that it's helped them. Sometimes people will leave a review. Of course, not as often as I like as podcasters. We all want reviews, right? I like it just because it makes me feel like, okay, the time and the energy I'm putting in is worth it. But I'm never afraid of putting something out that people are going to hate or not like. I don't know why. I'm just like, there'll be people who will like it. There'll be people who won't. And that's fine. But if it helps some people, I'm good. And that's more of a type three. That really is. Because threes have a natural confidence. I mean, we have a natural confidence that is, I'm putting it out there, I'm creating, I'm putting my products, my services, my voice forward. I know it's not going to resonate with everyone. That's a pretty healthy three. I mean, that isn't living in that I need the approval. So I'm not saying we're always driven by that because as we move to being healthy, 
in our type, as we move to our authentic type, we really are healthy people that are saying, here it is, I'm putting it out here. Threes don't always have the best follow through though, because we're visionaries. So many of you may have heard the term like visionaries and integrators and those types of things in the business context. Threes are pretty visionary. We're pretty like on to the next thing. Somebody else can handle the details and make it come to life. And so that's something good to know as a business owner, as you're creating a product, if you're the creative mind that creates it, having someone on your team that then you talked about your assistant, I have one too. Thank God for assistants and people on our teams that do the follow through. Right. And, you know, it's the same way with my other company. I'm not doing customer service anymore. I'm not filling orders anymore. They're doing all of that. But I am negotiating the larger accounts, that kind of thing. So I think by nature, intuitively, I've put myself in the right position, except I need to market my products more. I need to tell people what's available, which I don't do. (laughs) I can follow through just fine on the creation part, but then I'm like done because then I already have something else I want to do. So interesting, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Gift Biz listeners, I hope that didn't bore you, but it's just, it's a perfect example of how you can take this information related to yourself and extend the conversation. And certainly, Teresa, with all of your knowledge and guiding and and insight into all of these, this has been really valuable just for me to understand a little bit more. And I want to know more. So like I said a couple of times, we'll talk about that later. So circling this back for our listeners and just kind of summarizing everything, if we've piqued people's interest about this, a couple of options. We'll put in the show notes a link where people can see what their Enneagram is, remembering that you get what you pay for. But I think there are tools out there that don't cost a lot that you could at least find and just get some good information. Absolutely. And I don't remember whether I paid for my follow-up form. You know how sometimes you'll fill out a questionnaire, you'll get your result, but then if you want to know what it means, then you have to pay $20 or something like that. I don't know if that's the way some of these are connected, and I really haven't paid attention to it other than getting my number at one point. But back to my question for you, Teresa. If someone's more interested in this, again, how would you guide them to move forward? Sure. Well, they can connect with me if they'd like at thereallifeprocess.com. And it's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-I-F-E. So only one L in real life. It's all one word. TheRealLifeProcess.com. Or they can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn at Teresa McCloy and both of those places. That's kind of where I hang out. A little bit on Instagram, but more on Facebook and LinkedIn. And then at my website. And I will say this too. We talked about it being the new year. So this may be a tool or some things that you want to incorporate as you go into this new year, just as you're working in your product business and what you're developing of seeing like, how am I going to do my own personal growth this year? And it may be through something like a tool like the Enneagram. How long, once you take the test and start looking at it and understanding and analyzing, how long from your experience does it take to make some type of a change? Oh, I think it just depends on how much people want to bring it to awareness. I mean, I usually in a review session that I do with people, there's a lot of ahas that come in that very hour long review session that they're like, oh my gosh, that's something I can apply to my business right away. But as you use the Enneagram in your real life, it comes into every situation, whether it's conversations, decision making, selling product. You think how you apply. If I can listen to a client and know whether they think, feel, or know something, I know how I'm going to approach them in sales. 
So it's actually something that once you get it and it clicks, you use it in your real life all the time. So it's not a stretch to say portions of it could be used almost immediately and it can be a game changer for you in your personal life and your business. Absolutely. I think anytime we work on our own self-development and self-awareness, we're going to see results short-term, immediate, and then over the long-term, we might look back a year from now and say, oh my gosh, that was so helpful for me to know that information. Wonderful, Teresa. And so now share with me what you're looking at for your future. Where do you see yourself going with the real life process? Oh, that's such a great question, Sue. Thanks so much. I really am leaning towards in 2020 with our business, we're going to be doing a lot of in-person retreats. We actually have three of them scheduled next year and our first one starting in February. And the reason why is I have learned through my own self-awareness and personal development that I love to be with people in person as a heart type, as a type three. And you and I talked about this offline right before we started. There is nothing better than being with people in person. I love the virtual world, but love to meet people face to face. So we're planning on creating those events for people to come together, learn the real life process in a retreat setting in a 48 hour process and work with the tool of the Enneagram there too, and then be able to go out and live it in their lives and apply those practices sustainably. Ooh, so you're not talking about just for a local community, but people can come in like an event, like a weekend event. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It'll be a weekend retreat event that people can come to, learn the real life process, learn the tool of the Enneagram in a 48-hour setting, and then go out and apply what they've learned. We have found that in person, when you can really do the deep dive and kind of get away and get out of your business, that's really been effective. We did one last year and we just loved it. So we're planning three of those in 2020. Oh, very exciting. Is the first one on the books yet on the calendar? Yes, it is on in February. So it'll be here in the state of Illinois. Joy, joy, February in Illinois. It is fun, I promise. (laughs) And we will be doing that. So if people check it out on the website, they'll be able to find it there. It is the weekend of, I'm looking at my calendar, the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. So Friday night through a Sunday night. So anybody in your audience that wants to come join us at the Real Life Process Retreats, we'd love to have you. That is fabulous. Well, thank you, Teresa. (laughs) I'm a little bit embarrassed that we were able to talk so much about me. I feel like I hogged our show a little (laughs) bit today. So I apologize if anyone else feels that way. But I also do think it's a great example of the way you can incorporate and start to think about some of this information. So interesting. I understand so much more about the Enneagram. And I'm excited for all of you listeners, if you're interested, find out what you are and see what that does for you. Make comment on the podcast episode if you want. But it sounds like this could be a great way to set you off for a fabulous 2020. I can't believe we're even saying that. (laughs) I know. That is so strange. I'm trying to get used to it. I know. When you said new decade, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm not thinking that way either. But anyway, Teresa, thank you so much. Such great information. I love that we covered all nine of them because people can start to gravitate into what they are. Plus by how naturally, what is it? I think I feel. I think I feel I know. I know. Yeah. So right there, you can kind of get some insight. So I think everybody listening already is kind of narrowing in on who they are. That's awesome and a wonderful gift that you've given us as we enter into the new year. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Sue. It's been great to be with you. I have an update. Since my chat with Teresa, 
I've retaken the Enneagram and confirmed that I'm a solid three. I also have noticed now that I say feel way more than I say think, something I'd never identified before. I also spent an hour with Teresa talking about my Enneagram results. Oh my gosh, it was so incredible. The things I learned about myself and why I am who I am and act as I do. So insightful. Reflections and discussions on things I've never thought about, ever. I got off our call feeling like I understood myself so much more. We also overlaid some of this new understanding on top of how I do business. So now I'm tossing around some new ideas and I'm pretty sure I'm going to make some adjustments with some of the challenges that I've had with the business based on now my new acquired information. I really encourage you to take the Enneagram because I truly believe you'll learn some new things about yourself too. It's funny how that can happen because haven't you known yourself your whole life? (laughs) As we close out today, I wish you a happy, safe, and fun-filled New Year's celebration. And I'll see you again in 2020. Cheers and Happy New Year! This episode is all wrapped up. But fortunately, your gift biz journey continues. If you're thinking of turning your hobby or craft into a business, our gift biz gal has something just for you. Are you already thinking about your business name and logo? Wait, that's not the first step. Before you spend a lot of time and money on your new business, make sure your product is positioned and priced so you'll see results right from the beginning. That way you can start your business with confidence. Check it out at giftbizunwrapped.com start. And until next time, happy business crafting.